Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Okay, church, remember where we left our boy uh, Jonah last week, okay? Where did we leave him? Well, right now, guess where he's at? He's probably crunched in the belly of a fish, okay? Don't think it was a condominium. I don't think he could get up and walk around and be like, hey, I'm going to check this out, or hey, look at that rib. I mean, I think he's pretty much crouched in the belly of the fish. But this is a fish, guys. This is a great fish that our great God created so that Jonah could actually live and not die. You go, Pastor, how so? Well, remember what we talked about was the, was the, was the cause of this amazing great storm that God created so that he could get Jonah's attention. God sent this fierce storm that was so violent that even the sailors were so scared that what did they do? Remember? They started to panic. And this blows my mind. Why? Because if this is kind of your career, this is something you've been doing for a long time, you've seen a lot of storms. You've seen, oh yeah, seen one. Yep, seen another one. Oh yeah, the wave's going to get pretty high. Hang on. And now this one is just crazy. They're so crazy that they start looking at the cargo and probably some people. We don't know, right? The, the bigger, the bigger guy, they're like, hey, we need to throw him off too. He's, he's pretty heavy. But they start throwing cargo out the, off the ship, right? To try to lighten it. Why? The lighter the ship, I mean, it maybe just won't break apart, right? And so, they panic, they throw everything overboard. That didn't work, so what do they do? They prayed, every man cried out to his God, right? In the midst of this pagan prayer meeting, they realized somebody's not with them. What's going on, right? I'm getting seasick here, and Jonah, he's not around. Jonah, yeah, well, here's the thing, guys. They actually knew from Jonah's Facebook page that he was a prophet of God and he was actually running away from God's presence. Okay, I know you're going, Pastor, they didn't have Facebook back then. No, they didn't, but let's get our face in the book and I'll show you where it is. Jonah chapter 10, Jonah chapter 1 verse 10, it says, Then the men were exceedingly afraid and they said, Why have you done this? Why? Here it is. Here is his Facebook status. For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So Jonah gets on the ship, right? He's like, hey, who's this? It's Jonah. How you doing? I'm doing great. What are you doing? I'm running from God. Really? Yeah. See you guys. I mean, I mean, that's, 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 that's crazy, but, but they knew. They knew. And so Jonah, guys, right now, guess where he's at? He's not in the midst of this pagan prayer meeting. He's fast asleep in the lowest parts of the ship, taking a siesta, right? Now, I started to put myself in Jonah's sandals, if you will. Here he is sleeping, and I bet, I bet, I bet this church, I bet he was hoping that when he woke up, he would actually already be in Tarshish. You know what I'm saying? You know, he gets in, he's like, okay, listen, I'm already running from God. I don't feel that great. You know, I'm running from God's presence. I know I can't run from God's presence, but I'm going to run, and I'm going to go to the ends of the earth. Remember, we thought that at that point, they thought that Tarshish was the end of the end of the world. That's all they knew. And so he says, okay, I'm going to go, and I hopefully I'm going to go down to the bottom of the boat, and when I wake up, ah, we're going to be there. We're going to be there, right? We're like that, aren't we? I mean, seriously, like, like when we're kids and we go on a long trip, we just hope, we just get in the car and we fall asleep, and we hope, and when we wake up, we're already at Grandma's house or wherever you're going. 
I said, okay, get in. And then hopefully wake up. Because it's such a long drive, right? And, and, and I mean, it's, I, I don't think you wanted Jonah in the ship going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there? Is that it? Right? So, again, there he is. And he is totally, he is totally hoping that he would be a Tarsus. And really, and probably in his mind, he's thinking this whole mess of going to Nineveh would be over. Right? Just don't want to go to Nineveh. Don't want to go to Nineveh. So guess what they do? They go and they wake him up, right? They, Jonah, hey, listen, wake up, wake up. Why don't you pray? Maybe your God will save us. Well, it wasn't much later that they found out the only way to be saved was to do what? Do you guys remember? To throw Jonah into the sea. That was the only way. That was the only way. Throw Jonah from the ship. Now, here's what I want you to note, guys. If you're taking note, jot this down. Church, this was certain death. I want you to grasp that, okay? I want you to feel the weight of this, okay? Because I know that in this day and age, when, when we throw someone over, we got good swimmers, and so maybe he's going to try and attempt to swim to shore, or he's going to kind of get away from his, the, the ship as far as he can. He's going to tread just a little bit. Understand that for them to throw Jonah over, it was certain death. It was certain death. Now, Here's what I want you to grasp, okay? I want you to grasp this. Let's, let's, let the, let's let the weight of this soak in. This, church, was not an attempt to better the situation by alleviating some problem. Okay, this wasn't like, hey, listen, if we just throw Jonah, then let's gonna, we're just, that's going to that's gonna make us feel uh, a little bit better. I mean, could you imagine this type of conversation? Could you imagine? Okay, there they are. The ship is going crazy. The wind is blowing. The rain is coming down. Ever, ever feel sideways rain? This is what's happening. It's coming down and sideways. It's crazy. It's out of control. And this could be their conversation, right? Hey, I got an idea. Let's. Who's the problem? Jonah. Let's throw, here's the conversation. Let's throw Jonah into the sea. But I got an idea. Let's tie a rope around him. And so that way he doesn't die. That's a great idea. Okay? So I got an idea. Let's tie a rope around him and he won't drown. Or, 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 and then somebody pipes up and says, hey, why don't we give him a life preserver? I don't, that's a great idea, right? Jonah's the problem. The wind's going crazy. This is not, this is the fiercest storm they've ever seen. And I could imagine they're not going, hey, listen, we just need to alleviate the problem. We just, well, listen, it's like this. Let me illustrate it this way, okay? Somebody's calling me. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. You know when you have a rock in your shoe, right? You feel like, ow, that hurts. Ow, I got a rock, ow, I got a rock in my shoe. What should we do, church? Should we take a Tylenol to alleviate the pain, or should we take out the rock? Yeah, I mean, that's common sense, right? That's, that's so common sense. But I'm thinking, what if the, what if the sailors were like, let's just, let's just take a Tylenol. I know it hurt. You guys tracking with me? So, we're gonna throw Jonah in. Well, we don't want him to die, but we're going to give him a life preserver. We're going to give him a rope. We're going to do something. We're going to do something. And, and when the sea settles down, because it's got to settle down, he says, then we'll pull him back on board. Ready? Break. Good plan. Right? Now, stay with me. Here's why. Because as I was thinking about Jonah, 
And I was thinking about Jonah. I thought, you know what? There's a nugget of truth here that if we just look a little bit, we can grasp. You go, okay, what is it? This is what I would call an applicational illustration. You go, okay, how so? Church, listen. I believe that a lot of folks treat sin the same way. You go, Pastor, what are you talking about? In other words, guys, there might be something in our lives that is sin. Straight up, and the Lord tells us, here's what I want you to do. I want you to mortify that sin. I want you to kill that sin. You guys tracking with me? God opens your heart. He reveals that something you're doing is sin, and he tells you. Now, listen, here's what's going to happen. I want you to help me. Listen, church, I want you to throw that overboard, overboard, right? The Lord says, hey, listen, that thing that's trying to kill you, I want you to let it drown. But a lot of times, guys, we're, well, we might be like the sailors. We might be like the sailors. You go, how so? Well, if you're taking note number one, we act like verse 13. You go, what do you mean? Okay, stay with me. God comes in, he reveals something. Because listen, it's called progressive sanctification and we're growing more like God. But now he reveals something in our heart that we know is sin that we really should Cut it out of our lives. I mean, it's got to go. And so we sit here, and all of a sudden, it's like, okay. God says, listen, that thing needs, that thing needs to drown. That thing needs to hit. That's the problem. And you go, okay, I'm with you. But all of a sudden, we become, and we start acting like verse 13. You go, what happens in verse 13? Guys, look at verse 13 of chapter 1. What does it say? Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to the land. That means they dug deep, guys. They worked really, really hard. These are, these probably guys are buff and they know what it's like and they're just going to row as hard as they could to get back to the land. It wasn't like, hey, I tried my very best, you know. It was like, come on, give it, heave, oh, heave, oh. And that's what they did. And they rowed hard to the land, but the Bible says, but they could not. For the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. I think we're a lot like that, guys. Keep that same thought. Here's the applicational illustration. I think we try very hard to live a Christian life, and we try very hard to live with sin in our lives at the same time. You see, we try really hard. No, no, no. I, I can do this Christian life, but I, I've got this. I've got this. Listen, I'm okay. I've got this sin under control. You understand? I've got it. I've got this. And, and again, we're trying to live both lives. We're trying to go, okay, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to do with my very, I'm going <coughs> to, I'm going to read his word. And he says, and we try to do that. Why? Well, wasn't Jonah the problem? Jonah says, listen, I'm a prophet, pastor. And uh, I'm running from the presence of God. And the best way that you guys are going to be saved is throw me overboard. And that was the best way. That was the best way. Jonah was the problem, and yet the men decided that they would try to live with it than simply obey and throw it overboard. You know, Jesus put this way in the New Testament. If you're taking note, jot this down. It's Mark chapter 9, 42 through 50. Let me just read it to you, but just put that in your notes. Um, 
It says this, Mark chapter 9, 42, but Jesus, he said, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Now, let me give you some background, okay? Because that verse alone, you'd go, what is he talking about? Well, Jesus had been dealing and he's been talking to the Pharisees. He's been showing them uh, back in Mark. And then so he comes to this portion of scripture where he's going to talk more about sin. And so he says, now listen, Precious are the little ones. And he says, now listen, if you were to cause a little one to stumble, he says, you know what, it's better, it's better for you to tie a millstone around your neck. It's, don't cause a little one to stumble. And then he comes back and he says this, okay? In the context of what we're talking about, he says, if your hand, notice, causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands and go to hell into a fire which shall not be quenched. Now, again, these words are like, whoa, 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 Jesus, are you serious? Okay, okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay, so explain this a little bit more to me. He says, okay, um, well, let me finish. He says, where the worm does not die and the, fi- and the fire is not quenched, that's hell. He says, if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet and be cast into hell where the fire shall not be quenched, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. He says, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes and be cast into hell fire where the worm does not die and the fire does not quench. Now, we need some explanation on this, don't we, church? You go, why? Because, listen, hand, feet, eyes. I mean, if this were true... There'd be a lot of us that had only, I don't know, maybe we wouldn't have any hands. If, he, if it was true, like, like, listen, if your hand causes you to sin, you need to cut it off. If your foot and your eye. So what's Jesus really saying? He's saying the things in your life that are causing you to sin, those are the things that you need to get rid of out of your life. You need to take those things, guys, the same way, the same sin, you need to take the things that's causing that sin and throw them in the ocean. You have to. He says it's better. Listen, listen. You go, well, give me an example. Church, listen. We saw it on the movie Love Dare. There, Kirk Cameron is playing, and he's struggling with pornography. And he's looking at the computer, and it's blinking at him going, press me, press me, you know, and he's sitting there and he's struggling. And you know what he does? He remember what he does? He takes a baseball bat and he beats the computer and he throws it outside because he knew the very thing that could cause him to sin. It's right there. Okay. So the Lord's like, Hey, listen, you see that computer? Yeah, pastor, but I paid a lot of money for it. Listen, get rid of that thing. You go, well, pastor, I'm not going to get rid of my computer. Then get rid of the internet. Take care of those things. You go, well, I see, church, listen, here's the thing. There's a lot of folks out there that struggle with, with pornography. I mean, really struggle with pornography and, and all types of sin. And yet we have the internet and we have cable and we have all these things that we are allowing in our house that actually does what? It actually triggers our lives back to pornography. We have to be so careful because what Jesus said, he said, those things, let's identify those things in our lives, guys, that are, that are pulling us away from him, and we need to mortify those things. 
Don't hold on to them. You go, well, Ben, okay, Ben, listen. My family needs the computer and it needs the internet. Then, then put a software on their church that does not allow you to look at these things. Put a software. They have covenant eyes. They have things where it keeps you accountable. And you can go, okay, give your wife the password. You know what? And, and be accountable. Why? Because it's better for you to go, listen, I don't want to be a part of this, but I know I need, we need the internet and we need, and we need these things. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying those things that are causes you to sin, cut them off. Cut them off. Number two. Here's what we do, church. We try to live with sin from a distance. What do you mean? Tying a rope to it or giving it a life preserver? It may, it may not be directly in your life, but anytime you want to, you can pull that thing back. You see, when, they, you see, when Jonah was going overboard... Listen, they didn't say, okay, here, listen, listen, we got a lot of rope. Listen, just Jonah, hang on. And when the, when the storm calms down, we'll pull you back, Jonah. Cause well, church, seriously, let's just, let's just play a cat and mouse game for a second, right? Jonah, what's the problem? I am, okay, here you go. Boom. But we tied a rope around him, right? So as soon as Jonah hits the sea, everything goes, Phew. so what do we do? We pull him back, right? The moment he gets on the boat, there's a storm again. Oh, okay, hold on. Shoom. Everything's calm, right? Do you see the point? We pull him back in, and, it, and here's the storm again. And you're going, we wouldn't do that with Jonah. You go, Ben, that's silly. But guys, I wonder if we do that with our sin. You see, we're not living directly with it, but we could pull it on board any time we like. Guys, listen, when it comes to sin in your life, we need to practice verse 14. You go, what's verse 14? Notice what it says. Therefore, the men cried out to the Lord, saying, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done it, done as it pleased you. You ready? Jot this down. What's the first thing we do? What do they do? Guys, they're praying. They're going to throw him over, and they pray and confess. They pray and confess. That's the first thing. They're going, God, here it is. Listen, we don't want to play around with sin. We want, to, we want to confess that thing. God, this is... Here's the word. Okay, you ready? The word is homilegeo in the Greek. And it means to agree with God. God, this is wrong. Uh, you told me it's wrong. It's wrong through your word. This is sin. And I want to, I want to confess that to you. That's the word. Right? No, look at verse 15. So what do they do? So they picked Jonah and they threw him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. You know what they do? They threw it, they threw into the sea, they let it go. If you don't kill it, church, listen, sin will come back and kill you. What they did is they realized, they asked God, Lord, here it is, here's my confession, here you go. They threw him in. Well, Pastor, how do you know? Guys, listen, remember, for Jonah to go into the sea meant certain death, so they had to kill that. And I'm going, okay, well, here's what we need to do. 
when it comes to sin, church, when it comes to sin, throw it into the sea. Let it go. If you don't mortify it, it will come back to Pastor, how do you know it's going to come back and kill me? James chapter 1, 14 and 15 says this. Ready? Speaking of sin, it says, But each one of us is tempted when he's drawn away by his own, do- own desires and enticed. Okay? The words desires and enticed, think about this, man. If I got any fishermen in here, how do you entice the fish? You got to put on some bait, right? I've never caught a fish with a hook. Maybe some of you have. But normally, I go to great lengths to try to what? To deceive those suckers. You know, I'm going to, those are fish. I'm going to, I'm going to put it on there. I'm going to make this thing look so pretty that that fish is going to go, oh, it's food, and then hit that thing. Why? Because I want that trout on my plate sizzling here in the next couple of hours. That's what I'm going to do. And that's exactly what it is. That's what James is saying. James says, every one of us is tempted, guys, when we're drawn away. Okay, all of a sudden we're, well, what's that? That looks like bait, right? And he says, that's what we do. He says, when we're drawn away and our desires and we're enticed, and he goes, well, what happens? What ha- well, what happens to the fish? It says here, verse 15, then when desire is conceived, oh, when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. That's what James says. James says, listen, if you don't, listen, the moment you go after that, whatever it is, you get caught, it's conceived, and next thing you know, it's death. It's death. So, pastor, are you telling me that, you know, when I sin, I'm going to die? Guys, listen. Death comes in so many ways, and it could be a death of a relationship. You know, the husband's minding his own business, and all of a sudden there's a temptation and a desire. And this little flirtation at work is birthed into something more. And guess what happens? It brings forth death of a marriage and a relationship. There's a lot of death out there, guys. There's a lot of death. There's a lot of death. And he says this, listen, okay, so here's what we need to do. We need to mortify those things that are causing us, guys, to, to walk farther from God than to walk closer from God. To walk farther from God than to walk closer to God. We need to mortify those things. We need to identify those things in our life and say, no, 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 no. Listen, I need to, I need to throw those in the ocean. I need to throw those away. Because that thing wants to kill me, man. That thing wants to kill me. Well, pastor, are you saying that Jonah is, is like sin? No, no, no. I want you to jot this down. I'm not saying that Jonah is sin, okay? That would completely take that out of context. I'm not saying that. Let me say that again. I'm not saying that Jonah is sin. What I am saying is I saw a applicational illustration that we could have pulled out of there. Now, I know, I know that Jonah is in sin right now, right? 
because he's disobedient, right? He's simply using it. I mean, I mean, but we're simply using it for some application in our lives. Jonah is right in the midst of sin. So back to our story. Now, Jonah, he's thrown into the sea. God created a fish to save Jonah. Look at verse 17. Now, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. First thing we need to understand is God prepared this fish. Because all the questions come up, don't they? Well, I've never seen a fish. Listen, I've seen, I mean, it's very possible. If you did some internet research, you know that that has happened before. But God prepared this fish. It swallowed Jonah, and he was in the belly three days and three nights. Pastor, I've got a question. Listen, I, I dig your teaching and everything, but listen, dude, um, can anyone live in the belly of the fish three days? Okay, okay, good question. That's good. You guys are, you guys are thinkers. Now, first and foremost, we need to understand this. God created the fish so that Jonah could live. Okay, so probably in the in the belly of the fish, although it probably uh, it probably didn't smell very good. Right. And it probably is full of all the acidic juices and it probably bleached Jonah's skin so white that it was that I mean, it, they probably thought he was a ghost. But we know that there was oxygen in there and we know that he lived. You go, but three days, Ben, that's a that's a long, long time. Well, we know this. Here's what we do know. We know that if the fish did not swallow Jonah, that he would be dead. Okay? This, again, guys, is salvation from God. But it also shows us a picture of what? The resurrection. In John 1.17, it describes how Jonah was swallowed by a giant fish. Now, the Lord had prepared the fish. We saw that. To swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly, what, three days and three nights. And we learned it was part of the resurrection. How so? Remember, Jesus was speaking in Matthew chapter 12, 38 and 40. We talked about it last week. It says, then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, teacher, we want a sign from you. Now, Jesus had been going around giving all of these signs. He's been doing all these miracles, feeding all these people, right, with, with like a happy meal. I mean, I mean, you're talking about 5,000 plus what? Plus women and children with a happy meal. And they're going, we don't, know if, we, we don't know if we accept that. We want a sign. The happy meal. That's two loaves and a fish. And they didn't even have tartar sauce. I mean, come on. Let's, you know, come on. And, and so they're coming to him. Of course, that's what they did, right? They want to go, we want a sign. And he answered and he said to them, guys, listen, an evil... An adulterous generation seeks after a sign. He says, but no sign will be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. There's your sign. There's your sign. You go, okay, but Ben, three days? Okay, jot this down, guys. In the Jewish culture, okay, Part of any day, okay, part of the day was considered a full day. You got me? So when Jesus says he was going to be in the earth three days and three nights, does not mean he was in the earth for 72 hours. He was crucified on Friday, and that's part of a day, Saturday, and part of Sunday. And so again, in the culture, when they said a day, it could have been part of a day. It could have been, I mean, you see what I'm saying? So we're saying that when, when Jesus went into the ground, 
A lot of scholars would go, no, no, see, he was actually, and, 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 and listen, I'm not here to argue with you. Some people say it was a, it was a, a, a double Sabbath, and so he was, actually, he was actually crucified on Thursday. And some, some uh, theologians say, no, 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 listen, it was actually Wednesday. Here's the thing. Just from my reading, guys, it just said, listen, part of a day was a whole day for them. And so that leads me to believe that Jesus was in three days and three nights. Doesn't give me specific hours, but I know he was alive in the earth and he resurrected. The second is that Jonah was in the belly and it doesn't say that he was in for 72 hours. It says three days and three nights. I'm pretty sure the the fish got sick of him, don't you think? Have you ever eaten bad fish? Well, now the fish is eating bad people. He's like, oh, I don't feel so good. Oh, right? Some of his other, some, some of his other fish friends are like, hey, dude, are you feeling all right? No, I didn't eat too good. Don't. What'd you eat? I ate a Jonah. I think we could, that would be cool, huh? Like, like we should trend that. Like when we when we when we eat something that we don't like, we go, "Man, I ate a Jonah," right? We did, and people be like, "What is that?" Well, I just didn't eat something good. I ate something. Hey, did you feel sick last night, bro? Yeah, I had a Jonah last night. Yeah, that was not good. No, nobody with me. Nobody. I'm gonna try. Let's try to trend that. Okay, let's. let's anyways. Oh, yeah, next week we'll say, "I ate a Jonah." Be like, "What is that?" So what happens next? So what happens next is what I want to talk to you about tonight, guys. For you see, Jonah begins what we would call an all-night prayer meeting. Can I get an amen? Amen. Chapter 2 starts off with Jonah praying to the Lord. And if you're taking note, I'm calling this message tonight a tale of two prayer meetings. A tale of two prayer meetings. You go, why? For tonight, we discovered that the sailors had a prayer meeting and Jonah had a prayer meeting. Both were salva- both prayers were salvation, but yet they were out of con- they, they had different contexts. Okay, so labor with me for just a moment. Okay, since we're having communion tonight, let's go back to the sailors' prayer meeting and let's talk about that first. Okay, I jotted this down. I put this is the sailors' pagan prayer meeting. Okay, why? Because in verse four it says, "Then the Lord sent this great wind on the sea." And there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners, or the sailors, were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and threw cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down to the lowest parts of the ship, and lain down, and was fast asleep. But let's go back, okay? Every sailor prayed to his God, and I want you to jot little g God. You can see that. You can highlight it. You can underline it. It's a, that's, that's what he's doing. He's praying to his God. Now, again, remember, these are veteran sailors who were so freaked out that they began doing what was natural to most people. Can you help me out on this, church? Prayer, right? Prayer. But the context of these men's prayer is what we need to learn. They are in a whirlwind of a mess right now. And I don't think if we closed our eyes, we could imagine the type of storm that was actually hitting that Mediterranean Sea that would cause these men to totally freak out. Now, most people, when they face a huge storm, 
will pray to his or her God. We know that. And I bet the prayer is simple because they don't have a relationship with God. Most people are, are driven by fear. That's when we pray. We're in the midst of, oh, God, whoever God is to you, you're going, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray to a higher power. I'm going to pray to whoever I think is God. I'm going to pray to somebody. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to cry out loud because that's what fear, that's what fear does. I bet their prayer was probably this. I bet their prayer was to pray the storm away. Right? They're crying out to God, please stop the storm. Please, God, do something. Right? Stop it or get it to cease, to do whatever, but God, please, the storm. And I think we're like that a lot, right? When we get in the midst of a storm, we cry out to God, please stop the storm. Right? Let me let me let me just let me just let me poke at you for just a second. You ready? Do you guys remember your BC days? You go, what are BC days? Before Christ. Before Christ. Oh man, I don't want to live there, man. Those days were okay, okay. I don't want you to live there. Just before Christ. Do you remember how you used to pray? God get me out of this and I'll do whatever it takes. Right? If you find yourself in a mess, God, please, 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 God, get me out of this. I mean, you're praying, you don't know God, you don't have a relationship with Him, and you're God. God, get me out of this. If you get me out of this, I promise I'll what do we get? What do we whatever we have, right? What do we say? What do most people say? I promise to serve you. And then God gets you out of that, and you're like, I was just kidding. <laughs> We're all good, God, until the next storm, right? Remember that? Just me? I think. I remember praying that. I remember I was in a mess. I thought it was really, it was a real mess. And I was just like, please, God, please, 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 please. Or maybe they were praying to just calm the sea down. God, if you could just, if you could just temper the sea just a little bit, then we could row. But Lord, with the winds inside, we just can't row back. We just can't row. We just can't row. But here's what I'm thinking, guys. In essence of all this, can we, can we agree that their prayer was probably, please save us? We're not talking like a spiritual prayer. I'm there, they're saying, please save my life. Please save my life. That's probably the essence of their prayer. Here I am in a storm. We don't really know God. So they're crying out to their pagan gods, and they're probably saying, God, please, please, please save us. Keep us from perishing. Save and sustain this physical body. In other words, they're probably saying, oh, God, please don't let me die. Oh, God, please don't let me die. Save me from drowning. I want to live. And we can learn a lot from this passage. Why? Because fear, it's, it's fear that drives them to pray. Even if it is to a pagan god, it's fear. Now, these, unsa- these unsaved sailors, for you know, the, the fear of death, leads them to cry out to a pagan god. I think this was a, this is a we are in trouble impromptu prayer meeting, don't you think? We are in trouble. This is not good. And I started to think about this, church. I thought when, when in trouble, man does best to fix his problem. And in this case, the first thing they thought was throw the cargo overboard. And when that wasn't enough, man instinctively turns to his God. God, please, please save us. And many people assume that they can... Many people assume are, are a lot like the sailors. They think that they can, they can put off doing their business with God until they choose a better time to do it. 
Guys, nevertheless, guys, think about it. It's extremely presumptuous to think that in a moment of crisis, you'll be able to call upon the true God if we have not dealt with him before. How's that? Yeah, a lot of people, when we share Jesus, they think, hey, dude, listen, that, that Jesus thing, man, that's cool for you. That's like, that's, that's, hey, if that's your bag, I mean, that's his, that, if that's your jam, thumbs up, but man, like me, I don't need that. I don't need, listen, I still got my whole life to live. And then, and then listen, man, listen, if I ever find myself in a crisis, then I'll just, then I'll pray. Then I'll pray. Or, or they feel, you know, now, now listen, I, I think, I think we just, church, we're, we're not going to come out and actually say that. Hey, listen. But a lot of us live that way. A lot of us live like, hey, listen, I'm just going to do my thing. And when, when the storm hits, then I'll cry out to God. When, when he's prompting you now to say, hey, no, 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 now's the time to get to know him. Now's the time. Now's the time to pray. Because, guys, think about their prayer meeting. Their prayer meeting was really simple. God, please save us. God, do whatever. Whoever their God is, that's what they do. And I think a lot of people do that. But how does that differ from the other prayer meeting? Well, let's look at it real quick, okay? Jonah's prayer meeting, okay? Jonah's prayer meeting. Looking at picking up in verse 2 of chapter 2, it says, this is Jonah praying. Then he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Jonah's prayer incorporates many Guys, listen, many phrases in figures of speech from the book of Psalms. This shows that Jonah was a man who knew God's word and he knew it by heart because there was no Bible and probably no candle in the fish's belly. Right? So you go, well, pastor, what's your point? Well, here's what I want you to jot down. I want you, as we go through the prayer, notice this, okay? Notice the Psalms as we go through. He says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple. That's Psalm 18, verse 6. In Psalm 42, 7, it says, Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls, at your waves and billows have gone over me. And Psalm 31, 22 says this, For in, for I said, in my haste, I am cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried out to you. So here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. Here's a really good nugget of truth. Your prayer life should consist of praying the word of God. You know, listen, can we be honest in church? Can we be honest? Let's just be honest, right? Because our prayer lives, man, sometimes, some. I mean, God, even the best of us, how do we start off with our prayer? We start off with a lot of just, you know, Lord, and I thank you, and please do this, and please do that, and and so forth. And and if we're really honest, man, a lot of us struggle in prayer. We really do. We gather around prayer meetings, and we really don't know how to pray. And we just and and listen, and listen, a lot of us pray at the hearing not of God but of the other people. I want to make sure that I pray, and I want to pray appropriately because I don't know these guys are much more spiritual than me. Okay, go. Let's let's hold hands and let's pray. Okay. God, and you don't know what to say, so you pretty much copy, and this is how we learn, okay? That's okay. I mean, this is just how we are, but but if if we're going to take a lesson from Jonah, guess what? I think we need to pray the word of God. God, your word says. God, your word says, and I want to pray this. 
I want to pray. I want to pray your word. Here's the thing, guys. Listen. David said this, thy word I have hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. I love that. But we should be memorizing the Bible because if they took away our Bible, listen, church, could we still have a Bible study? Could we have a Bible study? Listen, I don't don't want to sit there and go, hey, that's a works thing, do it. But what I'm saying is if we got together that we could go, oh, yes, God, in the 33rd Psalm, and we could just just pray that Psalm back to the Lord. That's a great goal to have, guys, is just to memorize. You go, what do I do? Take a five-by-seven note card or whatever they are, the little note cards, jot down, start with John, and then just take... Two or three verses and memorize that. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then move on and move on and learn it and learn it. You'll be surprised. Pastor, I've got a question. What's the matter? I'm not good at memorizing. Anybody? Yeah, that's. (laughs) But we really are because we memorize our Social Security number. We memorize our address. I hope you memorize your address, right? I hope you're not driving to a different house every day. What was my address? I'll just get out and check here. We, we, can, we can do it. My point is we can do it. Jonah prays the word of God. Jonah prays the word of God. How many of you know John 3.16? How many of you know it by heart? Help me. Let's go. For God... How many of you turned to John 3.16 and read that? Ah, so I got you. You can memorize stuff, can you? What a great way. Have you ever tried praying John 3.16? And you know what I love about John 3.16? I love John 3.17. For God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. God, Lord, you promised that you sent your son into the world. That whoever believes in you would not perish. God, I believe in you with all of my heart. And that you would give me everlasting life. Lord, I just think about that everlasting life and what it's going to be like. Lord, we sang it at the, uh, we sang it that, Lord, your presence, Lord, is heaven to me. And I'm thinking that's exactly what it is. Your presence is, and Lord, I want to feel your presence. But Lord, I know that you didn't come into the world to condemn it, but you came into the world. So Lord, help me not to condemn people, but help me to spread your gospel that you might, so, so people might be saved. That's what Jonah's going to do, and I've got sidetracked, so let me keep going. Verse 3, he says, And you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. At your billows and your waves, they passed over me. Did you guys see that in verse 3? Did you see something in there? Pastor, what are you talking about? What did Jonah pray? He said, Lord, you cast me into the sea. Oh, whoa, 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 Ben, I thought you said the sailors threw him over. Jonah recognizes right here, guys, he realizes it wasn't the sailors who cast him into the sea, but it was God himself. Jonah sees that he has never been out of God's hands though he tried to run from it. I love this verse. Why? Because we thought the sailors threw him over, and he's going, no, God, you had me, and you threw me over. 
You go, well, what's the point? Can I give you some encouragement tonight, guys? Can I give you some encouragement? Guys, you might be here tonight, and no matter where you are in your walks with God, can I just tell you that God still has his his hands on you? He still has his hands on you. Listen, you've never been out of God's hand, even though some you might walk in here and feel like it. Man, Lord, I feel like I'm a million miles away from you. God has his hands. How do you know? How do you know? Well, do you guys remember the story? Do you guys remember the disciples and their walk to Emmaus? Do you remember that? Luke 24. Jesus, they're walk, there's two disciples walking to Emmaus and they're talking. Jesus kind of comes up. He's like, hey, fellas, how you doing? And they're walking, right? And he's like, and so Jesus is listening to them and he's like, so... What's going on? You hadn't heard? Are you the only one in Israel that hasn't heard? Blah, 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 right? And so Jesus is like, oh, okay. And so they follow the seven-mile walk to Emmaus. Jesus expounds the scripture. You guys know the story, but let me, let me show you something real, real quick, right? Luke 24, he says, Then they drew near to the village where they were going. Jesus says, uh, I'm going to keep on going. But they said, no, Jesus, no. Abide with us, they say, verse 29. But he constrained them. Abide with us for it's toward evening and the day is far spent. Jesus, please don't go. It's getting late. So he went in and he stayed with them. Verse 30. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took some bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples. It was at that point, guys, listen, their eyes were opened and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to another, did, our not, did not our heart burn within us when he talked to us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Do you see that? Guys, listen. He walks with his disciples. He takes the bread. He blesses it. He breaks it. And then he gives it away. But here's the encouragement. Guys, he never took his hands off the bread. Tonight, you're the bread. You're the bread. Tonight, you might be in the taking stage, guys. You might be in the taking stage. God's doing something in your life, and he's directing you, and he wants you to do. You're in the taking stage, and the taking stage is an interesting stage because you're going, God, I don't know where to go, and you have to walk by faith and not by sight, and you're in the taking stage. Some of you tonight might be in the... Well, well, we'll call it the blessing stage. You're going, man, God is blessing me. He is just amazing. I love him. Hallelujah. You're in the blessing stage. The problem with the blessing stage is you don't get to stay there very long because the next stage is what? It's the breaking stage. Because he took the bread, he blessed it, and then he broke it. And the breaking stage is hard. The breaking stage is hard. Why? None of us want to be broken. And some of you guys might, some of you might be in the, in the giving stage. But here's something to give you rest tonight, guys. All the while, church, listen, all the while, he's never taken his hands off of you. Let's finish this prayer. Then I said, Jonah says, I've cast out of your sight, and I will look towards your holy temper. The waters surround me, even my soul. Deep closed around me. Weeds are wrapped around my head. I went down to the mornings of the mountain. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever, and you brought me up my life from the pit, O Lord God. 
When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up with you into your holy temple. Look, look at verse 8. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice with you the voice of thanksgiving, and I will pay what I have vowed. He says, salvation is of the Lord. Let me give you these thoughts, okay? Jonah realizes that he's resisting God, running from him, and doing that, he's like an idolater. But then here, Jonah repents. He says, but I will sacrifice to you. Jonah repents, guys, from running away from God, and he turns with the sacrifice and thanksgiving. He says, I'm going to pay my vows to you, God. I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. And notice that last statement. He says, now salvation is of the Lord. And this is more than a statement of fact. You know what this is? It's Jonah's triumphant declaration. God has saved and will save, and Jonah means it personally. Jonah is salvation His salvation is of the Lord. We're going to move into communion right now, guys, and 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 let me just let's just chat for a moment, okay? Do you see the tale of two different prayer meetings? One was made of selfish reasons. God save me. I still right, give me, help me. I want to live my life. Don't let me perish. And what I call this is a bucket list for men. God save me because so many things I want to do before I die. The other was a selfless prayer. It was recognizing his sin, confessing his sin, and repenting of that sin, and worshiping his God. Praying the word of God back to God. I would call this the bucket list for God. One of them, the sailors, hey, it's all about me. Jonah's like, hey, it's all about you. What would you have me do for you, God, if I see you face to face? This is what I want to do. So here's my thought. Here's my thought. As we get ready to partake in communion, Let me ask you this, church. Which prayer meeting are you in? Are are you over here going, God, just save me for me, and and I want to do what I want to do? Or are you at this prayer meeting going, God, I'm here tonight, and I just want to do what you want me to do. I want to repent of my sin. I want to walk towards you, and I want to be clean, and I want to partake in communion. (sighs) Ah. Which prayer meeting are you in? Guys, can we declare tonight, guys, that that we're going to pray the way Jonah prayed? Full of God and not of us? Can we can we just get real and say, God, listen, tonight's the night. I just I just want to confess that. Listen, you don't have to you don't have to show up in front of anybody. You don't have to say anything. But tonight will be your night, guys, where you just want to take a moment and you just want to pray. And you want to say, God, I just want to pray. And I just want to confess. And listen, hey, if you're here tonight and you do have something that you've been struggling with, and God's God's going, hey, listen, you need to to drown that thing, man, then tonight's the night. Between you and God, throw it in the sea. Throw it in the sea. Done. I'm going to mortify that thing because I know if if I keep it as a pet, it's going to grow and it's going to kill me. I don't want my sin as a pet. I want it gone. I want it gone. I want it gone. Here's how we take communion, guys. Josh is going to lead us in worship. This is your time. We don't have any set structure or anything else. It's just you, your family, however you want to do this.
You can just come to the communion table and, and pray together. You can pray separately. You can do whatever you want to do, but this is your time. And after a Bible study like this, my heart says, hey, Lord, Lord, I, I just want to be clean. I just want to be clean. And so here's my question. Here's my question. Here's my question. Where are you with the Lord tonight? Where are you? Are you like Jonah and maybe you're on the run? And he's calling you back. And he wants to save you and he's got a plan for you. All you have to do is say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word tonight and the truth in your word. And God, we're going to worship you now. We thank you, God, that we can just sing to you in music and in song. We thank you for communion, Lord. We know it's a celebration, God, but we know that every person that partakes of this is declaring your death, burial, and resurrection. It's so so fitting for the book of Jonah, God. For Jonah was in the belly three days and three nights. And he was resurrected. Why? Verse 10 tells us, God, that, that you heard his prayer. And that the fish resurrected him onto dry land. And Jesus, you resurrected on the third day. And we believe that. And we also believe that you're coming back for us soon. And you told us, you told us in Luke, God, that that the next time you, you took communion, it was going to be with us in the kingdom. And in Israel, they hold up the cup when they were far away, and they said, next time in Jerusalem. That's what they would say. They wanted to go back to Jerusalem. Well, our Jerusalem is heaven. And my prayer is that maybe next time that we do this, we'll be in heaven with our God. So as Josh leads us, guys, in worship, Just pray. Just pray and ask God. What do you want to do with me, God? What's my bucket list for you? I'm going to get rid of my selfish ways and I'm going to follow you. I love you, Jesus. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.